0: On the eve of the 2023 NBA Draft, Brendan Nunez of the Kings Pulse Podcast and Chris Watkins of Sactown Sports 1140 join me to discuss what we think the Sacramento Kings will do with the 24th pick. Will they trade the pick or make a selection? Which names should be on their board? Plus, a little bit of thoughts on Namias Kata, Keon Ellis, and the future of Harrison Barnes in Sacramento. It's all right here on Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC TED News. Chris and Brendan are some of the closest friends that I have here in the Sacramento media scene and all of sports media period. Just two amazing guys. Guys uh, who have incredibly busy busy schedules but always work hard uh, to make sure that they can carve out some time for uh, the Locked on Kings podcast, and I really appreciate them for that. There's a ton, a ton for us to talk about here on today's podcast. Uh, podcast, of course, right before draft night. And we want to hear your thoughts as well. Who do you want the Sacramento Kings to to draft at 24? Make your final selections or your final uh, wish list or your final bill, uh, big board if that's what you want to do. Uh, do you think the Sacramento Kings are going to trade the pick? If so, why and who for? Let's talk about it. Let's put everything in right in here before the Kings actually make a selection tomorrow night at the NBA draft. But for now, here is my conversation with my two buddies from the SAC Town Sports 1140 Mid day show chris watkins and from the king's polls podcast the king's beat podcast king's herald contributor brendan nunes tomorrow is the nba draft we have no idea what the sacramento kings are going to do with the 24th overall pick why because they're playing their cards very close to their chest as they probably should we've only had a limited list of names of guys that they've had come through their practice facility for pre-draft workouts but we do know myself Brendan Nunez and Chris Watkins will all be uh, over at the, uh, the, the practice facility tomorrow for the Sacramento Kings uh, draft coverage. Gentlemen, it's been a while since I've had you both here on, uh, on locked on Kings. It's been a while since we've done any kind of roundtable table together. Uh, so I figured doing it before the draft is an appropriate time. What kind of vibes do we have going into, to draft not? Are we talking about like a big night for the Sacramento Kings or a night where when it's all said and done, we're just going to be like, okay, the offseason's begun.
2: I mean, I'm starting to feel like it's uh it's definitely going to be uh, a night of, of just we, w- that we really can't predict. I mean, traditionally, we're, we're picking so high up in the draft. I mean, the Kings have been up in the top 10 for as long as I can remember now. And now at 24, I mean, they can either stick at 24, they can move at 24. I think um, there's no way of really predicting who's going to be there. So it's really just a night of uncertainty. Uh, at least that, that's how I'm going into it. I really don't feel like I have any indication of where the Kings are going right now.
1: Well, Chris did a great job of not answering your question at Absolutely all. Absolutely
2: not. That's what I do, man. And I think I'm going to go
1: uh, the same route. It seems like a pretty smart one. Um, I, I think that it's obviously not the same excitement as if you were at the top, but I do think there's some excitement over the potential guys that they could take it 24 and, and even 38. I think there's interesting fits. And if it ended up being a trade with one of these OG and Inobis or something like that, that's something that I'd also be pretty excited about. So. Um, I feel like it's safer to predict that they'll just make the pick because figuring out a deal is usually pretty tough in the league, I feel like. Um, but either way, I think it's going to be pretty fun.
0: You two are going to the uh, the Monty McNair School of Media Answers where you, you speak for about 35 to 40 seconds but say absolutely nothing. And I appreciate it because I love Monty and love uh, love what you guys do. So-
2: Bro, you want me to start throwing out the fire takes two minutes in?
0: Absolutely, bring it bring it right. We'll get from to trading Keegan man. later. Okay. Look, okay. Yeah. Stop. Well, taking money take Bates Brendan at twenty four. Just do it. <laughs> okay, it's all <laughs> off the rails already. Well, you mentioned Brendan the possibility of trading the pick. I think that's a good place to start because I feel pretty confident in the fact that the Kings are going to make a selection and not make a trade because of the financial situation the Sacramento Kings are in, and essentially getting a player at at twenty four who theoretically could become a a rotational piece uh, for the Kings years down the road. That's on a set contract rate. Like a 24th overall pick is not being paid nearly as much as like Keegan Murray is a fourth overall pick is being paid. So you can lock down that roster spot for a handful of seasons at a set rate, a really team friendly rate, and not have to worry about that kind of money when you're thinking about paying Domas and Malik Monk and other guys who contracts might come up in the in the coming years. That's why I feel like they're they're destined to make a selection uh on uh on draft night tomorrow night. Am I oversimplifying it or do you think that's the more likely route that the Kings go?
1: I think it's more likely but I think that there's the reason that it's a potential deal on draft night rather than just maybe making that pick and then viewing him as an asset, you could still include in a trade is if you're in conversations of moving that pick teams can make it their selection. They can choose which guy that they want. And maybe that's not going to be who you end up taking, you know, like I think the number 24 pick has less value to most teams in the league when it actually is a name rather than the pick itself. So I think that's what makes trade so likely on draft night specifically but I I do agree with you that I think it's more likely they make that selection and you can find quality guys around here you know a, a lot of people that know a lot more about the draft than me say that there's a pretty wide range and it seems like there's a lot of forwards wings that sort of fit here so it does seem more likely to me and I think you could get a solid guy at 24.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think it feels like, you know, at this point, if if they were going to move that pick, I would assume that we probably would have heard a little bit of more rumors uh, than what we have heard right now. The interesting thing to me is if you look at the guys that the Kings have brought in, they still really haven't brought in many guys that are projected to go around that number 24 pick. So that's really the only reason um, why I would have many if any doubts that they're going to pick at 24. But to me, like Brendan pointed out there, I think that there's definitely a a good handful of guys at 24, that if the Kings do stick there, they can get somebody who can, I think at some point in the season contribute at least 15 minutes a game. And, you know, that's the thing about picking at 24. And then with having two second round picks, we're really talking about somebody who, who's hopefully going to be a role player. I mean, with the picks that they have at that point, it's just really rolls of the dice. And so um, I think at 24, there, there's definitely some guys that, that are really intriguing and, and could have a role with this team almost immediately. Chris mean, like Matt,
1: I listened to the, sorry, I listened to the Locked On mock that you were a part of and Chris Murray fell. And I think that's like a selection that probably everybody listening would be ecstatic about.
0: Right. There are many names. I, I like that you said, Chris, that there's a handful of names. And, Absolutely. And, you know, at the at Monty McNair's post-draft press conference last year after the Kings selected Keegan, Monty said something that I think a bunch of us were a little skeptical of. It's that everybody unanimously agreed that Keegan Murray was the pick at number four. I think if, if that is true, then they all look like geniuses at this point in time. But, but th- at that point, we're like, really, nobody thought Jaden Ivey or nobody mm-hmm. thought this guy or that guy uh, with how much debate was around that pick at the time. I don't think we're going to have that issue or we're going to have that problem this year. Because, uh, I mean, I think it's good to have differing voices and and, and differing ideas in that draft room. Because I think the Sacramento Kings should have a list that's like 10 guys deep. Obviously, there's guys at the top that they're hoping are there. Maybe it is Chris Murray who falls to them. Or, like, one of my dream scenarios is if, like, Derek Lively falls uh, to them. Like, awesome. That would be an incredible... accomplishment. However, it's, it's maybe unlikely at this point in time, but I think there are going to be a lot of different routes and a lot of different selections that the Kings can go. And I don't think the Kings they're going to say that they feel good with whoever they end up with on draft night, but I don't think we're going to get a situation. Monty might say it, but I'm going to be even more skeptical. Monty takes the podium tomorrow night and goes, we got the exact scenario that we (laughs) wanted and everybody wanted this guy from the get-go because there's so many names that could be or could not be available at that spot. The ranges are just wide open,
2: yeah, man. that's what I keep saying. It's just like if you're Monty McNair or you're Wes Wilcox, like your list of people that that you like at twenty four has to be like, five to 10 players deep, because again, you just really don't know who's going to be available and you're going to have to weigh options like Bryce sensible. I'm hearing is dropping now, you know, now that we're getting close to the draft, that's not somebody who in the beginning of the process you would assume would have been at 24. And so you just need to have a, a good list or a good, um, idea of who could potentially maybe fall or, or just be available there so you're ready for whatever happens there because Matt I'm sure you, you'll remember the Kings uh, when they picked Thomas Robinson essentially were shocked that he was there and there was a moment where they essentially were like we can't pass on this guy we didn't even think he was going to be here so, I mean, obviously, f- picking at 5 and 24 are completely different things. But you just want to always be prepared for whatever situation might happen on draft night. Because, again, I, I'm i going to keep hammering this home. We just have no idea how it's going to shake out from really at this point from 4 to, to 24. Um, so, you know, you just got to be prepared for a little bit of everything. And I have to assume that that's, that's what Monty and Wes have been doing for the past month, I would have to assume, is just doing – real mock drafts where it's trying to just figure out every possible scenario possible
1: and there might be some guys that they like at 24 and then when they're up at 38 they realize they're still on the board right those picks have a little bit of distance between them but they're not that far apart and I think that there's just a really vast pool of talent that's fairly similar around that range Um, a lot of people say you know around the 20 mark there's a fall off and I think you know there's guys that could fall i would really like i think my dream is probably like a leonard miller who in mm-hmm. some mocks you see going a little bit lower but i've kind of reached that point that i think chris was talking about of there's maybe six or seven people that i would be pretty happy with and there's probably tears to how happy i would be based on some of these different names but there's a lot of what i think are valid directions to go
0: and whatever pick the kings make we're going to get a good indication of like what Monty's mindset is or what Monty's timeline is, I think. Because going into this offseason, I was thinking, I know the Kings aren't going to have a high draft pick, but I could almost guarantee you, or I felt like it was a lock that the Kings are going to try and find a player, whether it was an older prospect or a more NBA-ready prospect that could contribute immediately, even if they didn't have as high of a ceiling as like a long-term developmental project. Now, I, I it might be kind of 50-50, because this might be the first time in a long time, guys, that the Kings are in a position where they have a solid coaching staff, a solid developmental staff. They have the G League uh, two-way contracts, things of that nature. The Stockton Kings now with Lindsey Harding as their head coach, uh, and they have a culture now established and in place where maybe they're finally in a position where they could take a GG Jackson-type prospect who's really raw and maybe has uh, needs to work on some things, is a little bit green. And can develop them over a couple of years so that maybe they're not helping the Kings accomplish the goal of winning a championship next year or the year after, but maybe three seasons down the road, suddenly we're looking at a really solid seventh, eighth man option um, that, that the Kings have developed. Like that's more realistic now than it ever really has been during this post brick Adelman era
1: it's kind of funny to me because i've almost i was always upside guy towards the top of the draft and i've almost finding myself flipping the other way sitting here at 24 and i think it has to do with like the success that sacramento had last year and i think it depends on if they are taking that swing to go and add one more quality starter and then you would want this guy at 24 who you know may be part of that deal even actually but say he's still around then you could get some quality production on a really good rookie deal. There is depth that this team still needs. Um, You don't know what's going on with Harrison Barnes, Trey Lyles, Terrence Davis, maybe Sasha Vesenkov's coming over, but there's still a lot of holes. Um, And I think there's some guys that could play right away. So to me, I I think there's going to be, you know, when they come on the clock at 24, some upside picks that I would like, and then some of the safer picks that I would like as well. And, I think there's reasons to go in both direction. I agree with you, Matt, that like you have reason to have more faith right now in this organization to develop a guy than I can remember.
2: Yeah, I hear y'all. I, I definitely understand that side of things, but I'm just at the point now where I, I just feel like I'm, I'm leaning towards the older guys, like the guys that I feel like can help, Uh, Help this team immediately. Like I I definitely again, I definitely hear you. I understand why you would say that now is the opportunity to do it, because now you you're afforded the timeline of actually letting these guys go through what what is properly required in order to uh, to develop properly, you know, and and not have it be rushed and not have the weight of your uh, weight of the world on your shoulders immediately. Um, but I just think where how this team is situated right now, it's it's really important for them um, to kind of get an an unexpected addition um, from the draft and having three bites at the apple there. Uh, with, with their three picks to me is just a really good opportunity to try and find somebody who can impact the game. I mean, you don't have to look that far to see Christian Brown in the uh, in the NBA finals really impacting winning uh, in, in that kind of environment. And that's that's the exact kind of thing that the Kings need to do. I mean, you see the trade that Denver made earlier uh, today on Wednesday, where they just essentially traded a 2024 first round pick to get I think they have now 29, 32 and 36 um, in the in tomorrow's draft and you know they're going to use those picks to essentially build out their roster and the Kings in free agency can really only afford one really big swing and it's not going to be enough to to really bring those supplemental pieces that are really required in order to get through an 82 game season but also to provide a little bit of positional versatility, which the Kings really lacked in that playoff series against the Warriors. They just didn't have a lot of different lineups or different looks to give the Kings, and the Warriors were able to to really adjust to that, and the Kings just never were.
0: Today's episode of the
2: Locked on Kings podcast is
0: brought to you by BetterHelp. This is a sponsor that is really, really important to me, and I've talked about this before, and I want to make sure you understand the message here. Therapy is for Everybody doesn't just have to mean that you have significant problems or significant trauma or a, a major issue. Your your issues are not too small for therapy. We all have mental health issues that we can always work through. They don't have to be severe. It could be minor little things that, when you talk through it with an expert who's designed or there to help work you through it and put you in the right mindset to tackle those problems and get through those issues. We all need that. Mental health is incredibly important. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get started and get matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the best part. You can switch therapists at any time for uh, for no additional charge because... You have to make sure you're matched up with the right therapist that works with you and, and connects with you. My therapist and I have a great relationship. I've had a great relationship since the pandemic, uh, and I, I need that relationship to be able to Divulge the information and open up and become vulnerable in that way. So finding the right therapist is important. At BetterHelp, you will not be charged for trying to find that right guy. Visit or girl. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp h-e-l p dot com slash locked on NBA. No matter who the Sacramento Kings pick on draft night, if we get a week or maybe let's say a month into the season. And it's clear that that rookie is not cracking Mike Brown's rotation. Are you disappointed by that? Or is that not enough time? Or I guess like what, what would be the cutoff of time where we get like two months, three months into the season, that rookie still isn't consistently cracking the rotation. Is that like, oh man, the Kings blew this pick or is that like a, there's some, there better be somebody else that's better than this rookie right
2: now. No, nah, man, it's not that big of a deal. That's the glory of picking at 24. Like it's, it's, you have a good enough team to where, again, the weight of the world isn't on that kid's shoulders. It's not on him to, to, to be the savior of this franchise like what it's been in the past. I mean, at 24, you're afforded the luxury of failing, really. I mean, it's, if you miss out on 24, Man, that happens every single year. I mean, it's there's going to be so many misses, not only at 24, but in the top 10 in from from in the the late lottery. There's going to be so many misses. You're you're afforded the opportunity to to fail at 24. But again, That's what's so great about having 24, 36, and 54. And there's a lot of back-end depth at the end of this draft. I think that there's just a really good opportunity to have multiple, uh, you know, just multiple swings at it. And, uh, you know, that all you're trying to do is hit on one. That's the thing. Again, you're not looking for someone to change the franchise. You're not looking for someone to replace Harrison Barnes. You're just looking for someone who can give you, again, like 10, 15, maybe if you're lucky, 20 minutes in a given game. And you know if that doesn't happen, it's all right. You got Sasha Vezinkov coming over. You're you're gonna bring in either Harrison Barnes or a replacement for Harrison Barnes. Those are really the guys that are gonna impact winning at the end of the day. This is more just how high can the king ceiling get? Really, I mean if, if you can if you can knock out one of these one of these picks, I mean that that can really turn you from a first round exit to a team that can you know get a lot closer to being in the conference championship.
1: I agree with Chris. on pretty much all said. I I think that the reality of picking at 24 is that you just have low odds of this guy working out. Um, you know, obviously you, you hope for the best and I I think that there's decent names there, but that's just the reality of where you're picking here. And to answer your question of how long would it take before you know that he's not the guy? Um, I still kind of believe in Robert Woodard. So I think it would take a long time and I don't really, well, I kind of do, but you know, Um, so i think it takes a while it doesn't always have to be right away i think sometimes guys just take time to adjust to a system or maybe being away from their family there's just a handful of different things that i think can come with a rookie season so i think it would take a while before you really know
2: brendan you still got that uh, Jemias ramsey cut out
1: yeah somewhere (laughs) of course i do of course i do he had like 30 in the g league this year
2: for
0: sure so
1: 30 Nick total
0: in every single game combined or one game,
1: one game, calm down.
0: Shout out, Robert Ward friend of the Locked on Kings podcast. Absolutely. By the way. Uh, that actually I think that leads into a question that I wanted to ask separate from the draft. But I think it's important for the like, Chris, you mentioned the Kings have multiple roster spots to to fill this offseason.
1: Mm-hmm. Keon
0: Ellis and Namiya Skata have been guys that I've been asked about more than I expected to, <laughs> especially Nimi because the kings have a vacancy at backup center and people are asking like give Nimi a chance he was like the like a runner-up mvp in the g-league did you see his numbers how great he was blah 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 he's been on a two-way contract for the last two seasons so i don't think he's getting a 3 Pete. like the kings are either going to make a decision to bring him back and and put him in an nba role or they're not going to bring him back and the kings will know him better than anybody else will so do you guys have any vibes on that? And then, of course, Brendan, I know how big you are on Keon Ellis. I'm a fan of Keon Ellis, too. I think Keon Ellis can still help this team. It wouldn't bother me or surprise me at all if the Kings brought him back on a second two-way contract. Uh, I think that would be the good use of it. Uh, but I don't know. Do you guys have vibes on either of those players and if we'll see them in Kings uniforms going forward?
2: Brendan, real quick, you might know this. Can Nimi be put on a third two-way contract? I don't think you can, right? I'm pretty sure it's only in your I first know. two seasons. I feel if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm 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 pretty sure the Kings actually have to sign him. Um, I will say
1: I don't contract. think at this point you'd even want him on a like again on a two way. I yeah, think at right. this point he's a main contract guy or he's just right. not there.
2: Yeah, and I think that's kind of where the Nimi conversation goes. It's just like if you if you believe that that he's that he is eventually going to develop into somebody uh, that you could realistically give minutes, then then you got to bring him in, but. I mean, I, I just haven't seen enough on the NBA floor to, to to risk signing him to a contract. Like, I know you could do kind of what you did with Alex Len last year, where you just put him on the bench and then maybe just continue to give him, you know, development opportunities. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it might be at this point you've seen him for two years. If you know, you know, and if not, then I think you might want to take a, another dice roll on a, on a different guy, because frankly, I mean, it's the harsh reality of the NBA, but somebody's always looking to take your spot. And there's a lot of talented guys who do not have jobs right now. So, um, you know, at, at some point, the Kings can't just hold on to Namiya Keta for five years and hope that eventually he turns out into something at some point, you know, again, there's, there's a, there's a, a a new prospect coming out every single day? So, so um, you know, at some point, it's either he he's he's a guy that you really like, or you got to let him go.
1: Yeah, he hasn't looked great in his NBA opportunity, but it's also been pretty rare and some poor matchups. I guess you could say. Got thrown to the um, Wolves
0: against Joel Embiid.
1: Joel, yeah, and I Bid can't was not get great. that Joel
2: Embiid film out of my head. No.
1: and then the year prior, I think Jared Allen really took him to work. Um, but those are like the only two. Primary games, I remember him getting minutes. But I will say, I think that if they thought he was ready last year, they were searching for a backup center. I think if right. they thought he was ready, they would have gone in that direction. And his end numbers look great in Stockton. And there's games where he was dominant, but there were other games where he just, you didn't feel him in the same way. And I think like being inconsistent in the G League, I, I don't know. I, I think that's just something to be noted. It makes me a little bit skeptical. Um, but th- all the tools are there. He's huge. I mean, you guys have been around, he's ginormous. Um, he's almost always the biggest guy on the floor and he's really fluid in his movement for a guy that big, he's got great footwork, great touch, um, good passing ability. There's a little bit of shooting here and there. Um, but there's a lot there. So I, I think that like a third string center makes sense, but it, it has to click this year, at least to some extent.
0: Come on. You're not going to talk about Keon Ellis. You're and just then
1: waiting. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. It depends how much money they can free up. If they can move Rashawn, then, you know, maybe Keon can get a bigger bag. Um, no, I mean, I think that they've invested time in Keon, and I don't think he's shown enough that another team is going to come and make you pay some crazy money and restricted. And I think that uh, he's probably more valuable to Sacramento than to other teams because they have invested some time into him, and there's still a lot of room that needs to. Uh, a lot of growing that needs to be done, putting on weight and being better with the ball in his hands. But, you know, it's a guy that you're in the process of developing. And I, I think that just another two way is probably the next step there to him eventually being the best defender of all time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't really we... have much to add on that. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Keon's Keon. If, if he, if he can develop a shot and yeah, like Brendan said, if he can develop some other skills, passing and shooting, then he'll have a shot, but he's definitely got to gain some weight if he's going to play like point guard or two guard in the league.
0: Before we wrap up the draft conversation and, and move on to one other thing that I want to talk about, do you have a, I know there's, we talked about, there are a lot of names, but like do you have a name that you would either like to see the Kings walk away with or select at 24 or even in the second round, or is there a name that like, that you would select if you were available at that spot or a desired name or maybe a player that you just think the Kings are going to end up with? If, if Any name that comes to mind is like, I think he's going to be a King or at least going to be wearing a King's draft hat tomorrow night.
1: I really like Omax Prosper, Olivier Maxence Prosper. He's been a hot topic recently. The guy dry, uh, jumping boards like crazy, literally mm-hmm. right leading up to the draft, which is apparently a product of him being a great interview. Everybody loves him when they bring him in. He was great at the combine. Guy speaks three different languages, apparently. English isn't even his first language. Apparently in Montreal, they uh, speak French, which is new French-Canadian. To me. Um. Yeah. I today I learned or a couple of days but ago. He's
0: never been outside of California. Apparently. Yeah. Not. Well.
1: You know. Outside of California, but not to France. Um. So.
0: <laughs> or Canada. I think that, uh,
1: no. Or Canada. Clearly. But I like Omax Prosper. I think the defense is really interesting. He is like he does give me a little Robert Woodard. I'm not gonna lie. Where if the three point shot doesn't fall, I see it that there's questions. I see it that like the the three point shot has to go down. Is all. Um. But I like him. I also really like Dariq Whitehead as my upside swing. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be there, but a guy that was touted as a top 10 talent coming into the year, had a lot of injuries that he dealt with at Duke that kind of took away some of his balance and explosiveness. It feels like AJ Griffin all over again. Um, and I'm all for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you on Omax. I, I, I think um, if things go terribly bad, yeah, I could see some Robert Woodard, but um, I, I think, Whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I mean, I, I think, I, I just think he's, he's going to be better than that. Just the way he moves is a lot more fluid. He looks like a monster out on the floor. I mean, he, he just looks so massive guarding other guys. And, you know, obviously it's college guys, but he, he just looks like a specimen. Um, you know, I agree with pretty much everything Brendan said about him as well. Uh, a guy that I, I would really like to see is Trace Jackson Davis. I don't really know how it's going to happen in terms of if it's if it's going to be at twenty four, if it's going to be at thirty six. But I would just love if the Kings can somehow manage to get him. Um, you know, to to not spend uh, you know money in free agency to go out and get their backup big. I think would would be really good for this team uh, in terms of just team building and and, and the amount of. Um, you know, just value that that a backup second-round pick could have. Um, And, you know, I know (laughs) – I don't know if if it really fits, but – and I've been telling Brendan about this. I'm a really big fan of Jaime Jaquez, and I I saw today – Uh, Yeah, that Miami is looking at him at number 18 in the draft, which would be a huge jump for him because it was looking like he was going to be like near near the end of the first round. Um, I really like what he brings just a lot of positional versatility, a guy who at some points would play small ball center for UCLA. Um, people have questions about the shot falling. I I really like him as a shooter, and I, I think that's actually going to be a strength for him in the league. Just a guy who can honestly play a guard position. He can play a forward position. I think he can play a little bit of a, of a stretch four as well. Um, I, I really like Jaime Haquez and if he's there, um, I would not be I would not be upset if the Kings take him. Two seniors, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I've never felt this way before, but it, it's, I'm leaning older guys for sure. Like, there's just something about them being a lot more ready now um, that, that is, that just is a lot more enticing. I do like, and I put this on, uh, shout out, King's Pulse had a, uh, had a great question on Twitter, uh, wondering who everyone was wanting at, at 20, what is it, 24 and 36, um, 38. Man, 38. I'm sorry. I keep doing that. I know. Um, I, Oh, excuse me. I, I've just been, um, man, I completely forgot who I was going to (laughs) say.
0: Well, while you think about it, I will tell you how proud I am of your character growth because I've always been a fan of older prospects. Like, I, I don't know why I just like older prospects in the draft. I understand the desire to draft as young as possible so you can have them have a longer NBA career in theory but um, I love older prospects, so it looks like you figured it out. Who is- Jordan Walsh.
2: It was Jordan Walsh because I was like, why did I – that whole pre-up. Uh, Jordan Walsh is really the only young guy that I'm really interested in. He's a uh, freshman out of Arkansas. Just a lot of tenacity out of him. He's just a dog, and I think if he can figure out how to shoot, he's like an ideal 3 and D guy, but somebody who's – at this point, I think he's like a, a, a bigger Davion Mitchell, like really shows that level of tenacity on the defensive end. Uh, I was a really big fan of Jordan Walsh, and I'm shocked that he's supposed to go like middle or early second round, um, but yeah, I would not be upset if the Kings take him at at, at what is it thirty thirty eight? Yeah, it, 38. if he can
1: shoot, is like the slogan for about for this draft. 10 guys here. It's so crazy. Yeah.
0: Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get on the action than at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com to join today. FanDuel wants you to keep playing. They don't just want to take your money in one bet and have you never come back, Right. This is an insurance policy given to you to where either you're in the green right away because you won that first bet, or if you lost that bet, here's money back for you to continue to get uh, keep playing, not just make that money back, but make even more money on top of that. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Well, this is the time of the year that, rumors are starting to go wild and they're fun immediately and here are the sacramento kings in the middle of a lot of them including the latest rumor that they're interested in now both pascal siakam and og Ananobi. i don't I, I think that's a little bit too much to bite off if the kings are trying to make that big of a swing i think the focus should still be and primarily is on og makes a lot of sense in terms of like a and, and chris you and i Brendan you might have been at the table for this too like we've spent many a conversation before Kings games talking about the possibility of getting OG I'm still hesitant to include Keegan Murray in the deal it sounds like the Sacramento Kings are as well according to reports but I don't I I don't see any way that the Raptors consider a deal from the Kings for OG unless Keegan Murray is involved that's why my feeling is that OG will not be a Sacramento King come the start of next season um I don't think the Raptors are necessarily that desperate yet, and I think they could get a better offer elsewhere. But any thoughts, any gut feelings on the Kings being involved in the OG and kind of Pascal Siakam sweepstakes?
2: There's no way they can get them both. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, no I, chance. I, I just I don't see any possible route that the Kings could make that money work. Um, I think that would be like a combined like fifty million dollars or something like that. Uh, that would pretty much take just about everybody that is currently signed to the Kings except for Deer and Fox and Demonis Sabonis. Um, so that doesn't really make sense to me that that they would go after both. Uh, I think each individually is a good fit for this team team in different ways. Um, but for me, with the, and it's the same question with both of them, is what does it take to get them? Because um, that's really, like, depending on if you, like you're saying, if you have to get rid of a Keegan Murray, um, it's kind of crazy. But I just think at this point, you really have to consider if, if that's what's best for, for your team, especially if you're bringing in OG, you would like to ideally pair him with Keegan. So uh, if you're getting rid of him, that just kind of changes what you are as a team. Yeah, I don't think you include
1: Keegan in the deal. I I think that just team control is the big difference there. Like, OG is better. And if Keegan became OG, that would be amazing. That'd be an awesome outcome for Keegan. But to Chris's point, if you trade Keegan for OG, you you still have the same problem of like, okay, who's your other wing now? And I, I think that that is the idea of getting OG is that you're fixing that rather than, you know, just replacing who the one is and not having a second. Um, So I I think that there's still ways that a lot of draft picks are going to get attention. I think, you know, you still can maybe be a part of this conversation if you're willing to, and and depending on how the Toronto Raptors feel about Davion Mitchell is Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell, the 24th pick and two future firsts. And you can quabble with those protections maybe that gets you in the conversation um, Bro, or maybe Indiana. It, it It's
2: my thing it's is fun. that OG's OG's, really OG's but he can opt out after next year. And that's my, you thing would only, him I, I agree. Now. I he would think have, have to have do with like a
1: handshake agreement. agreement. Yeah. That like, okay, we're going to extend you.
2: But also, and I've, I've, I keep bringing this up too. If you're going to go into next off season, having to sign Sabonis, Malik Monk and OG and Yikes. you're probably not bringing back all three of those guys. You're probably going to yeah. have to pick t- between hopefully two of them um, and maybe even losing two of them. Like, I, I just think that it's a little bit too risky. And I, I just, I-, I think that frankly, Masai Ujiri is overvaluing what, what OG is and what he's worth at this point. Like you're on a one year deal and there's no guarantee that he's going to sign anywhere. And the biggest problem with me for OG is, He's OG and a newbie, and I feel like we talk about him like he's a three-time All-Star. Like he is absolutely a good contributor to winning, but like, and I'm not saying he won't, he wouldn't be the difference of again, like the Kings making a jump from where they are now to maybe a conference title team. Like that there, he is that kind of impact of a role player, but I just don't know if giving up anything super significant is is worth the risk of also if that doesn't work because he's also had a lot of injuries in the past as well. He came into the league. A big reason why he fell was because both of his knees were pretty much blown out and people weren't sure if he was going to be able to play. Um, It's just a really big risk to really give away, in my opinion, anything truly significant.
0: See, and that's why I'm so hesitant to include Keegan Murray, because I know I'm Matt George, president of the Keegan Murray, like overvalue fan club here, but I know the Sacramento Kings view Keegan Murray as a future all-star. He hasn't accomplished that yet. He might never accomplish that, but that's how the Sacramento Kings view him. The Sacramento Kings view Keegan as he is the third of a big three here in Sacramento with Fox and Sabonis. that's going to win them a championship or multiple championships. So they have to be pretty confident. If they're moving Keegan and the contractual control of Keegan that they're getting somebody at that level or better. And as good as I think OG is, and as perfect he is to address the needs of the Sacramento Kings right now, he's perfect in the sense that you're addressing those needs by, plucking him and putting in the starting lineup as it stands with Fox Sabonis Keegan and Herter or Monk or whoever you want to kind of fluctuate at that two guard spot, not giving away one of them in order to get OG and and, and bring him in. So uh, Chris and I are kind of on the same wavelength here. I like OG. I think OG would be a solid pickup for the Sacramento Kings, but it's amazing the variations of who we talk to talking to some national writers uh, and people like Howard Beck. I had on the podcast earlier this week and he said, like you can't, you're not getting OG without including Keegan Murray. You're, you're you got to give up something to get something. And other people are saying, like, I think the Raptors are overvaluing OG a little bit. I I think both sides make excellent points. And I think it's ultimately going to end up in no deal happening. Cause that's just the way that these, these conversations seem to go when you get hung up on big name players.
1: Indiana's interesting. Buddy healed could break our hearts and get traded to uh, Toronto with pick number seven, they've been linked to him a lot. Um, yeah, there, there's other teams, Memphis that has been linked to OG and OV a lot is Williams and picks interesting. I mean, it's not more interesting than Keegan, but it's probably better than maybe better than Davion, depending how you feel about that. So, um, it's easy to, I think, overlook the other competing offers. And it's just like hard to imagine that Sacramento has the best offer if Keegan's not on the table.
0: So real quick gut feeling before we wrap up is Harrison Barnes on it, on the Sacramento Kings come training camp. Doesn't have to be your opinion and you can share your opinion if you think it's good or not, but I'm talking gut feel like my gut feeling is number 40 is still here. And I think that's a good thing personally.
2: I think it's definitely no trending flow. towards no. I think it's trending towards no, but I would not be surprised. I, I definitely would not be surprised. Pick and I aside. only say trending. I only say it's trending that way because you hear the Dallas and the Indiana rumors. Um, but I, I, I truly think that at the end of the day, and you, I'm sure you both can speak to this, we've done the exercise replacing Harrison Barnes is not an easy task. And you guys know that I am not Harrison's number one supporter and I would be the first to try and say we should just replace him with with XYZ. It, it's not that hard, but it's it really really is hard especially with the guys out there like everyone that you could say is, you know, Kyle Kuzma. You could argue Kyle Kuzma has a higher upside but Kyle Kuzma doesn't do all the little things the way Harrison Barnes does. He's not as consistent. He's not as, um, you know, he's not as much of a locker room leader, not someone you can depend on. Um, it, it, he just you No know, one really brings what Harrison can bring, and it would be really tough to replace uh, just all the little things that he does. And, you know, there's other guys that you can definitely take an upside risk on, even Jeremy Grant. But I, I just think that if you're going to do something like that, you might as well go with the evil that you know instead of one that you don't.
1: Yeah. There's only so many guys that can fill that HB role and there's only so much time until they, if HB does want to come back to SAC, which it seems like he wants to based on just, you know, the way he was talking about it in his exit interviews. Um, that was the impression I got at least. Um, there's only so long until he can start talking to other teams right now. I think it's until about the end of the month. Sacramento is, is the only team, you know, legally (laughs) having conversations with him. Um, and have the potential to work something out any day here really um but i think you would be hesitating while you're exploring your other options um so he's definitely a good fallback but i wouldn't be surprised if somebody doesn't feel good about being a fallback and goes to look for something else i just i don't know
2: why why would harrison barnes wait for the king's timeline like, I, right. I think that's like the wishful thinking that people think is just like, oh, yeah, Harrison Barnes can be the Kings' fallback plan. Well, Harrison Barnes is trying to get money himself. He's not just going to tell other teams coming up to him, like, hey, sorry, guys, I want the Kings to figure out their stuff first. And then maybe if they want me, then I'll go over there. But until then, until they figure this, no, Harrison Barnes is 30 years old trying to get his last big deal. He's, if somebody throws a lot of money at him or a lot of years at him, He's going to consider it or take it and not consider what that means for what the Kings do. So Marty McNair, I'm sure, knows this, but he, he's got to make the decision and and be very comfortable with it when free agency hits.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't uh, hope that the Kings don't view HB and treat HB like a fallback plan. If, if they're going to replace HB, they should know day one or yes. day two of free agency who that guy is and maybe already have him under contract because I don't think HB makes it past day three, day four free agency. And if you're still negotiating with a potential spot, a guy who could take that spot, who also has three other teams that he's choosing from and HB decides to go elsewhere. And suddenly you have to get that guy or risk nothing ending up with nothing. Nothing that's a nightmare scenario for the Sacramento Kings. So I think we'll have a decision about HB day one or day two of free agency. I think it'll happen pretty, pretty quick. Cause I don't think the Kings can afford to wait, but we'll see what they do on draft night. We'll see what they do in free agency. It's already here. I mean, we're, 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 draft is tomorrow we're a week away from free agency or a little over a week away from free agency uh so it's going to hit us pretty quick chris keep up the great work that you do over at uh, Sackdown sports 1140 brendan i'd list all the things that you do but i don't have enough time in the podcast uh king's pulse king's beat king's this king's that king's herald uh, king of the hill whatever it is (laughs) brendan it is is all over it appreciate you guys so much thanks for joining me Shout out to Chris and Brendan, big thank you to them for joining me here on the eve of the NBA draft, looking forward to seeing them tomorrow night uh, at the, uh, the the Kings practice facility where we'll be inside the Golden 1 Center for the draft and to uh, to to cover the draft and to speak with Monty McNair after the draft and I'll see you there as well. I'm going to be recording uh, my NBA draft podcast or Sacramento Kings draft podcast from the practice facility, like I did last year. I recorded in the practice facility after the Kings selected Keegan Murray. So I'll be doing that again with the Kings make a trade, whoever the Kings take in the first round, second round, does not matter. I will talk about it all on tomorrow's Locked On Kings podcast. So I hope you will join me for that. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.